When I was a newly ordained priest, uh, I had my chance to go to a first, my first deanery meeting. A deanery meeting is where priests of a particular locale in the archdiocese gather together and just talk about uh, things that uh, maybe directives from the archdiocese or just things that are happening within their parishes and that, and just kind of uh, feed off of some ideas and things like that. And one particular priest talked about uh, in baptism prep that well, adult baptism is the norm. And I kind of looked around and I said, I know, obviously I know that there are adults that get baptized, but I also know most of the time it's kids, little babies and things like that. And so I looked over at the pastor emeritus of the parish that I was at, uh, Monsignor Francis Kenny, God rest his soul, and I was expecting him to say something. But he was there just serenely munching on a cookie, so I thought, well, I, I better say something. So I, I, I'm sure I said something respectful. Now, when we got back to the rectory, he said, uh, nah, he, that guy was totally wrong. And it was like, I needed that during the meeting, okay? But the bottom line is, is that whether we are baptized adults, as little infants, or in between, all right, we have a wonderful, powerful sacrament that Jesus institutes today, the sacrament of baptism. A sacrament, as we all know, is an outward sign of an inward grace. At baptisms, we may not see the Holy Spirit descend like a dove, but we see the sacred chrism poured out, a symbol of the gift of the Holy Spirit. We may not hear the Father's voice, but we hear his word proclaimed in the scripture passages that we read during the rite of baptism. Jesus may not be there personally, but the ordained minister stands in his place following that commission that Jesus gave to the apostles before he ascended back to heaven to go and baptize all nations in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, we need baptism. It's that simple. Why? Because we cannot save ourselves. If we are left to our own devices, as St. Paul made it very clear in his second reading, uh, we're going to succumb to those worldly desires. We're going to take up those godless ways. We won't have those graces necessary. Our only hope is that God, in his kindness and mercy, to save us by the power of the Holy Spirit, would pour out on us through Jesus Christ the graces that we need, and it starts with baptism, the gateway to all of the other sacraments. So we are saved not because of any righteous deeds of our own, but rather because of the mercy and love of God. And it kind of follows along then with uh, a practice that the church and other denominations do that oftentimes gets criticized by our more strident brothers and sisters, separated brothers and sisters, and that is infant baptism. Why do you baptize infants for? They can't make any type of a declaration of faith in Jesus. We need to remember our God is a God of great generosity and kindness. And he wants his saving love to come to all. What sort of righteous deeds can an infant do? None. How temperately and uh, devoutly can a baby behave? <laughs> well, you parents know, all right? But the bottom line is that God in his great love desires all to be saved. This does not mean that this baby, when baptized, whether he turns 11 or 32 or 65 or whatever, just could go and do whatever, and profess to be a real Christian. Uh -uh. That's why we have the other sacraments, 
Conversion is always constant in our lives. But we remember from the scriptures that whole households were baptized. That included adults and infants. And as for making personal declarations of faith, well, I think of the paralytic. The paralytic that was let down by his buddies through the roof to Jesus because it was so crowded in the house. There is nothing recorded about the paralytic making any type of an act of faith, any statement or anything of that sort. But it was said that when Jesus saw their faith, namely those who let him down, he was able to perform that cure. It's a lot of the same way with an infant. An infant's helpless. An infant cannot answer. But as parents and as godparents, you answer for this child. You will remind them, him or her, of the necessity of this great gift they have received and how it is to grow, not to allow it to stop at a certain age, but to continue to grow in that faith, to grow through the other sacraments, to grow through prayer, reading a scripture and, and all of that. But we, always, we always have to come back to the whole notion of that God prefers the most vulnerable, the most humble, and the most needy to bless. Now, when we go to baptism, we see a lot of symbolism that is there. The two, things that, the two oils that we use, the oil of catechumens and the sacred chrism, have a lot of meaning. First off, the oil of catechumens, which is also called the oil of exorcism. Father, the late Father Gabriel Amorth, who was the chief exorcist of the Diocese of Rome, talked about how um, he uses the oil of catechumens anytime he goes uh, to, uh, to do the exorcisms of someone possessed. People also have what they call exercised oil, oil that receives special uh, blessings from a priest in order to remove any type of magical, poisonous, or impure meals that found the way into an enslaved person's body. This is really big, especially in Italy. I hate to say it, but there are a lot of people who um, may have a problem with a particular woman or, and, and the child and, and figure the way to get at them is to lay a curse on them. And so the, oil, the exercised oil is important as a way of protection. Now, that's not an issue much with this country, but it is over in Europe. But at the very least, when you ever listen either to the, uh, the various stages of the right of, the, of uh, election and, and that leading in RCIA, there will be that part of where the catechumens will be anointed with that oil, praying that the evil one will not get a grip on this particular person. Same thing when it comes to uh, a baptism of an infant. Before we actually do the baptism, we anoint the, the chest of the child with that uh, oil of catechumens. Why? Well, very simply put, wrestlers used to oil themselves down for one simple reason, so that the opponent would not get a grip on, the, on them. We also know that our opponent, the devil, will never stop going after us. And this is our way of asking for divine protection. Then there is the sacred chrism, the oil that is used only three times. Interesting enough, the three sacraments that could ever be repeated. That's baptism. It's confirmation and holy orders. Now, when a, a person is baptized, an infant is baptized, you're baptized as a priest, prophet, and king. Now, my priesthood de uh, differs in degree and essence from the baptized 
priesthood, but all the same, we have something in common. People ask us to intercede all the time for various needs. That's what a priest does, an intercessor to God. And so when somebody asks you to pray for a special intention or whatever else, in a way you are exercising a priestly ministry. You're offering your lives in sacrifice for your families. That is what a priest does, continually seeking and helping others to get to God. But then the other symbols that we use have another time of where it's going to get used again in a church for a particular person, and that is at a funeral, their funeral. We sprinkle the cask with holy water. Obviously, uh, the water is the symbol that as we die with Christ in baptism, so that same sacrament, we are destined to rise again with him. Also, too, we have that white pall that is placed over the casket, the white pall that was placed on the child or at the person being baptized as an adult. Very simply put, it's a vestment of grace and seen as the pledge of glory. And then finally, there is the Easter candle. That Easter candle, which was plunged into the waters at the Easter vigil, saying this is the night when Jesus broke the chains of death and rose triumphant from the grave. We need to have that light of Christ because if we are not illumined by our Christian faith, death could be a very overwhelming, overpowering thing. And I know that because in an age of where there's a lot of unbelief, there's also a lot of denial of death. Nobody wants to talk about it. But as St. Francis said, memento mori, remember death. And that'll be a way of being able to live in the present age. Because there's something about death that strips away anything that just doesn't seem to be all that important in the end. But at the very least, it gives us the hope that with this light of Christ, we will rise to new life, a life that will never end, if we keep faith. And so on this feast day, let us give thanks for the saving grace of the sacrament of baptism and the generosity of, from God of which it is given. The next time, perhaps, maybe if you participate in a baptism, look and see the Holy Spirit. Hear the voice of God, the Father. Feel the presence of his beloved Son. And know how much we are blessed and gifted with the pledge of eternal life for him, his sons and daughters.